to the Flavor Text Podcast. I'm your host, Marina, and I allow you to pay one of each mana color than, uh, rather than pay mana costs for spells that you cast. And I'm Sunny, and I'm swinging in with all 22 cat tokens. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it's not a joke. They will do it. They, they have, in fact, swung at me with, with that many tokens explicitly. Beware. The cats have haste. And also do two damage each. Like, I never expected the Ginny Fay card to be that interesting a commander until you just made so many fucking cats. Look, Ginny is... I don't understand why Ginny isn't top tier, because Ginny is top tier in my heart. It's because of board wipes. Yeah. Like, whenever you ask a question, why isn't this top tier? It's because some motherfucker in blue... Some motherfucker in blue. Uh, we shall not speak his name. You know, I think technically he considers himself a white player, if, if I had to say. I think the problem is just white is not good. Yeah, that I was thinking about Richard, but... Oh! <laughs> That's not who I was thinking of. <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> well, we'll call them both out in this episode. Uh, happy, happy episode, everybody. We... We dunk on our little pod. We dunk on our pod. This is what this podcast is about. It's, it's pod dunk. It's our new hit pod craze. Pod dunk text. Like, yeah. That's worries. <laughs> we, we nailed it. We nailed it. Fucking nailed it. Well, we have a lot to go over today. And I'm going to start with... Um, so, to begin with this week, I mean, we've got chapters 22 and 23 of the Thran. We've got literally all of Dominaria United story, side stories, and card reveals that I, I can and will scream about. And we've also got some flavor text requests. We'll probably start out with those. But the, but the more important thing is there. there's a listener, and I'm, I'm speaking, you, you, you know who you are, you beautiful, beautiful person. I got a message from this listener that was like, hey, you know, just listen to your podcast and listen to the, um, the old 1993 review that mentioned the Netrunner Wizards of the Coast game. And this person actually owns copy a copy of the starter decks and has a bunch of the cards to which I received a whole Google Doc with pictures of all of these Holy cards shit. to start. And they're, for anyone who's curious, they were done, I think, by the artists who did those early Magic the Gathering cards as well. So same artists, um, same card group, just different, you know, flavor of genre. It's the cyberpunk genre, obviously, if you're not familiar with that. And um, different, like, mechanics in terms of the card game. And, and I was looking through that. And I was doing some research on the game, I was doing research on the history, and I'm like, this is too much for an episode. So my proposal for the audience, and my proposal for the, the beautiful person who sent us all of these, is a small, like, sub-episode, if you will. Like a little uh, a little special that... A little, little segment? A little segment that is going to be dedicated entirely to this card game, because, like... We are a flavor text podcast for Magic the Gathering, but I think these cards are a really interesting look at like this particular time period too, because you're seeing Wizards of the Coast like 
like trying slap shot a ton of things. Like clearly there were Skeddy at the wall. You know, exactly. Like Magic the Gathering was, I think, their first attempt, and they were going with the fantasy genre because that's like you know pretty popular and nifty. But like clearly there were a couple other things that they were throwing, and it's so interesting to see like how this this card game differs. Uh, the art the art is phenomenal, and I'm definitely like. Sonny's not allowed to see it because I want to get their reaction live. Um, don't worry, I don't have them up. But okay. like, yeah, we are we are definitely going to have, I think, a showcase episode, especially for that in the future. So look forward to we'll that. We'll think of a pithy name for it. We will. We'll, we'll have a fun time. Cyberpunk's one of like my favorite genres. Is it? I'm one of the three people that beat Cyberpunk 2077. Like, I'm so proud of you. If What's wrong with you? <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> Listen, for anybody who's listening who's like, I beat Cyberpunk 20. No, you didn't. You looked at Keanu's ass for three hours like everyone else. I don't believe you. (laughs) You are the only one immune to his spell. I was the only one immune to Keanu Reeves. But now, um, big Blade Runner fan um, and big Cyberpunk 2077 fan. Not really the video game. The video game was actually okay despite all the glitches, but like... The early RPG, uh, yeah. the tabletop, that sort of thing is really fun. So I, I want to kind of do that justice. And yeah, that, look forward to that in the future. That'll be a little sub-episode that uh, you're... Uh, get excited. Because I'm, I'm super excited. But uh, for now, before we get into our reading, uh, like I said, we had a couple of flavor text requests uh, where our esteemed listeners send us cards and we talk about them. So our first set is a little more fun, and I think um, this week with, with uh, Dominaria United, we got a very, inf- I think, going to be infamous Squee chapter. So if you're in the mood for goblins, uh, it seems like this listener was also in the mood for goblins. Who isn't in the mood for Who? goblins? Goblins are so good. <laughs> I, I appreciate a goblin or two. I love goblins. So the first goblin we get to look at today is uh, in the in the words of our submitter, an esteemed goblin boy. Oh, the siege gang commander. Oh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read out what it is as well as the flavor text, and then uh, give Sunny the art to look at. So it is a creature dash goblin. Big surprise uh, for three colorless and two red. You get a two two creature. And when Siege Gang Commander enters the battlefield, you create three 1-1 red goblin creature tokens. Alright, bought a bang for your buck. He's got some pals. But for one and a red, you can sacrifice a goblin, and Siege Gang Commander does two damage to any target. And you ready for the flavor test? Yeah. Ready? Uh, fire! So, showing the art to Sunny, uh, front and center you've got the Siege Gang Commander boy. He's he's pointing ever so dramatically. And in the background you can see some catapults. I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck is being launched in that picture. It looks like a cactus. <laughs> it does indeed look like a cactus. But we know that goblins also fling themselves. That's I'm sure the assumption for this card explicitly. And so I'm wondering if that's like an armored goblin that's maybe just like a little fuzzy in the picture or something. Yeah, because it... Because it sacrifices a goblin, and it does two damage, right? Yeah, so it, you're flinging the goblins. <laughs> they're goblins in those coyote protection suits for those little yeah. dogs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the implication that goblins just have that. Like, they, what, what coyote do. is hunting them? 
All of them. All of the coyotes. Like, the natural predator of the goblin. <laughs> like, literally, goblins are tiny. They, in a lot of different lore, they breed very quickly. They're extremely expendable to themselves. Like, as as we will discuss a little later on, I mean, maybe we can even just discuss now, like, the Squee chapter that came out for Dominar United. Like, it talks a lot about explicitly dominaria goblin culture of like yeah no goblins they fucking die every week like keeping a tribe alive is a like it's a work in progress constantly and like squee being unable to die is the reason why he's so venerated it's like oh my god you can do the wildest shit and then do it again like <laughs> wow you don't get any repercussions for your actions it's like they're they're little fucking uh, they're little fucking junkies they're like adrenaline junkies and i love yeah. it like this is jackass made into a race oh my god you're right <laughs> mm-hmm and uh, this card is definitely the epitome of it. This is a 10 out of 10 card. Um, I'm, I'm not saying like 10 out of 10 in terms of gameplay mechanics. I'm saying 10 out of 10 in terms of uh, good good flavor. It's good flavor. Yeah, I do, I do like the uh fire. <laughs> yeah, just Because uh. <laughs> it's just like, they, okay, they have one. Mm-hmm. This is what's wild to me. They have trebuchets. I don't know <laughs> if they... <laughs> they had trebuchets but didn't have ammo. <laughs> Either they stole these trebuchets. Also possible. Or they made trebuchets, which is a little less believable. Like, the Dominaria goblins make a lot of stuff. Like, they're not incompetent because they're helping Glacian out. Maybe they are engineering geniuses. They're engineering geniuses. They're also just morons. (laughs) They're adrenaline junkies. It's, It's, you know what it is? It's 20 intelligence and 5 wisdom. Yes. Explicitly. Yeah, that's mm. yeah, that's that's fair. It's fair. I do enjoy that one. So yeah, ten out of ten submission. Um we also got just some more um looking at uh, goblins as expendable cards. So the next one on the list in a in a similar fashion to Chuckle at is Sling Gang Lieutenant. So for three and a black you get a one one creature goblin, and when it enters the battlefield you just create two one one red goblin creature tokens. So a little less bang for your buck, but you don't have to pay mana to sacrifice a goblin. Target player loses one life and you gain one life. Oh shit. And uh, here's the flavor text. Freshly promoted to first rock, Zaz was eager to make an impact. And we've got the the very more explicit goblins as a uh, as ammo art where you've got the bigger goblin who's got a giant slingshot with a little goblin who's clearly Zaz about to be launched. <laughs> I'm in love with Zaz and his fucking manic grin He's and his serrated rock. machete. He's the first rock. He gets to be first rock in everything. He's bless his little heart. This one's really great. I also really like the um, headdress mm-hmm. on the lieutenant that's pulling back this slingshot chair. The thing I love about Magic: The Gathering artists is they really don't half-ass cards. Like, most of the cards I see, there's so many little details like that that just really bring it to life. And this is clearly part of why the card game has just thrived where it has. And even little flavor texts like that where just you get a little chuckle out of it. Okay, so this might help our previous card because Zaz has blades on his armor. Oh yeah, I guess he kind of does, huh? Like, on the shoulder? It is is the coyote armor. There it is. (laughs) See, they're they're here to fuck shit up, and I'm here with them. Mm-hmm. 
And speaking of fucking shit up, we got our final in the Goblin series. This is an enchantment that's Barrage of Expendables. Okay. It's a single red mana to play it. And then four single red mana and sacrifice a creature, any creature. Barrage of Expendables deals one damage to any target. And then we get the flavor text. Goblin generals don't distinguish between troops and ammunition. And with this, you have multiple trebuchets, all firing little goblin boys, all... They've got, like, little aviator goggles! They do, and they're... I don't know what they fed them, but they're glowing from the inside. <laughs> glowing from the inside, like they're little bombs. Goblin cards are so good. I... This is very violent for me, but I enjoy the... I, the image of just the goblins as human bombs. I... Uh, Creature bombs. Yes. They're not humans. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't even... My bad. I didn't pick up on that. I just love the idea of, like, this projectile landing in an army, and it's just, like, a, a freaking feral goblin, it like, scratching at, at people's eyes. It looks like, at you, says hello, and starts attacking you, and then it just explodes. Yeah, it just explodes after. And you're just, like, what... Like, you're in... Like, you're drenched in goblin goop. Or dead. <laughs> Or dead, or, but you're still perceiving <laughs> all that's still going on around But you. your soul perceives, like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck just happened? I, you know, send us more goblin cards. Not not because the flavor text is particularly lore-heavy, but I just like looking at them. Yeah, and they're just really fun. They're just so much fun. I love this guy. And what's so fascinating, like, especially because um, I was chatting, I, th- I think... Any of our MTG Vorthos subreddit listeners saw me absolutely fucking going ape shit in all of the chats for all the short stories. But in the in the Squee chapter in particular, like, people are like, oh, wow, like, Squee's being kind of a smart goblin here. And I'm like, I think goblins are actually a lot smarter than people think. And that's the point. The problem is, again, they're just adrenaline junkies. Yeah, they're like, feral as fuck and just don't know how to reel it in. They don't know how to reel it in. They, they probably need medication, but it's, you know, fantasy, so... That's that's not happening anytime soon. Yeah. So, God, I love them. They're so good. And God bless goblins. God bless goblins. And now we're gonna move forward. We got one more flavor text request, and this one is a little more lore relevant, especially given the chapter that we just get to oh, boy, today. Oh boy, oh boy! This is a saga, and the saga is called Fall of the Thran. So. Uh, for five and white, you essentially, if anyone reading this is somehow not familiar with sagas, it enters the battlefield, and as it enters the battlefield, and after each draw step, you add a lore counter to a saga. And then once it has three lore counters, you sacrifice it. It's gone. So when you play it, and as it gets its first lore counter, destroy all lands. Just fair. That's a, that's a fair point. And then for... Just all lands. All lands. And then for two and three lore counters, it's the same thing for each one, each player returns two land cards from their graveyard to the battlefield. And for the picture, I'm going to describe it a little bit as I hand it to Sonny. You very clearly have the Thran Temple there. You have what looks like the Null Sphere, I think, above it. And then you can see what's probably Mageddon Defile being depicted at the bottom there of Artifacts versus Phyrexians. And we'll be, this I think is just explicitly referring to chapter 22, 23 that we're about to get into. Mm -hmm. And what I really love about the design of the saga, like I love sagas. Sagas are some of my favorite card designs ever. Yeah, they're really 
interesting. They're really interesting because it's like, it's mechanics that are telling the story and they do such a good job of expressing that. And with this one, it's like, all right, yeah, the first step is the stone charger falling out of the null sphere and just destroying fucking everything. But the after effects of the saga are, but the land returns. Like, clearly we see, and we know because we're reading about Dominaria United, like, it recovered from that. Yeah. And it was able to grow and become, uh, you know, their civilization comes back, like, you know, forests and swamps and plains, all that regrows. And it's like a nice little nod of, yeah, no, that was literally Armageddon, but Dominaria persists. persists. And it's beautiful artwork. Um, quite frankly, I think just about every saga has some of the most beautiful artwork in any of the Magic the Gathering cards. Like, Holy crap. Gex Saga, everyone. It's coming. Yeah, that is, I'm pretty sure, the... The, the Null Sphere. Null Sphere and the Bomb. I, I think, yeah, that's gotta explicitly what it, be What do they call it? The... The Stone Charger. Stone Charger, yeah. Yeah. And I think at the bottom there are Phyrexians. Because they yeah, look like half of, the, half of them are, are Phyrexians. I think the other half are just artifacts. Artifact creatures. Yes. And, and so it's, it's literally just Mageddon Defile. That's... Amazing. I I didn't think that the Thran would be, like, like reading through the um, story, mm-hmm. I didn't think that they would pick on as much as they did from the Thran. Like, they're like, Thran artifacts. Yeah, Dominaria United had so many callbacks, and, like, of course, it, like, so... We were talking last time about how next year is the 30th anniversary of Magic the Gathering. They're, they're starting it now. Uh, Dominaria United onward is all all part of a big 30th anniversary celebration. Um, and I think explicitly with Dominaria United and upcoming Brothers War, like they are very explicitly paying homages to these early things. Like they they pull back one of Yogg's fucking vacuum bombs in the Dominaria United story. Uh, that's the one where Joda's off with the elf, um, was oh, it Maria? Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, hold on a sec, I'm gonna go grab this ancient artifact and it just made a vacuum. That's what he used to free the Null Sphere, was a ton of those that all did, like, imp- there were implosion yeah. devices that, you know, I mean, they're essentially just bombs at that point. But yeah, that, I think that's explicitly what that was referencing. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I am- God. It's wild. We, we have so much to talk about when Pe- we get to D. Oh my god. The writers were reading the story, too. They were reading the story. Maybe one of them was even a podcast listener. We can dream. We can we can dream. <laughs> if we, uh, get Someday. Any, if we get any Magic the Gathering writers listening to this podcast, um, please, I, please email us. We'd love to interview you. I would love to piss my pants in response. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> J, J. Robert King's not involved anymore. I don't, I don't think we're going to get lucky enough to get him. No. I would love to ask him some questions, but like... I, I don't. I don't know if we've mentioned. God, we tried looking for his contact information to see if we could, you know, on a on a wild shot, see if he'd come in for me. But he's know. not even online. Like I don't think he has a presence. He probably is living his best fucking life offline. He deserves it. Yeah, he's earned his rest. No one else can be enough of a Chad to write about piss, pissing to death, and then you know, just... and then like <laughs> fucking show his face anywhere. <laughs> to be fair, there's there's a maybe a, a one or two authors who are a bit too online, so I can respect an author backing off <laughs> from the online presence. I mean, some of them are bad some, actively. Some of them are problems actively. But, you know, J. Robert King's only so much of a problem as his tastes in villain death causes. And speaking of those, 
Shall we? Shall we transition? We're going to take a quick break and then come back to our chapter summaries of the last two chapters of part three of The Thran. All right. So, as I said, this is uh, the end of part three of The Thran. We have two chapters today, 22 and 23, and they're both pretty short, but... But by God, do they get a lot in there. There's quite a few whammies that we will be going into, so let's just dive right in. We've got chapter 22. And the Battle of Mageddon Defile is raging on. And uh, we get a little bit of a glimpse of, of the carnage before it cuts to Rebek and Glacian, who are bunkering down in the Caves of the Damned. Now, Glacian has interestingly gotten better since the Power Stone ship was removed from his abdomen, at least physically, but his mind is gotten worse. Uh, even though Rebek visits him every day, he barely remembers her and accuses her of being gone for weeks at a time. And he's definitely refused to go to Phyrexia for further treatment. And to be fair, he's correct. <laughs> right? Like, good on you. Good on you. And he's instead remaining with his faithful goblins, who are maintaining the apparatuses, keeping him alive and looking after him. As I've said, I love goblins. They're goblins so, they're are so, so good. We don't deserve goblins. They, they deserve the union. They, you know, they do. <laughs> You're right. They <laughs> life do. insurance. They need life insurance. Uh, Glacian laments that uh, Yogmoth is using his behemoth designs in the battle, which he can tell because he's hearing the explosions of Megan Defile, and he's like, yeah, I, kn- I know the sounds of those metallic booms. That has to be my behemoth. Wait a second. <laughs> like, my, my brother in Christ, you were in a cave. <laughs> yeah, the sound's gonna be distorted. No, he knows. He knows. He fucking knows. And you know what? To be fair, he's right. He's also extraordinarily paranoid. He is extraordinarily paranoid. Uh, he claims that Yogmoth has infiltrated his mind and stolen his ideas. He also claims that Yogmoth is doing that with everyone. Uh, he says that Yogmoth is implanting power stones into people, which allows him to read their minds. He also has a mention, and this is an important tool for later, that power stones absorb the qualities of people, uh, which is how Yog can use the stones to connect to people. Essentially there, the stone absorbs people's essences, and Yog controls the stone. So, that's how Phyrexian Heartstones work, I'm pretty sure. I, I think that's what they're called. Um, so, just as we go into further Phyrexian stories, that's why that works the way it does. Uh, Glacian claims that Yogg put a stone inside him, too, when he removed the Power Stone Shard that was causing the infection. And that's why Yogg has been able to copy all of his ideas, because Yogmoth's literally reading his mind through what has been put inside him. Uh, Rebek, of course, is protesting this, like, I, wa- I watched Yogmoth do this, he didn't put shit inside you, and Glacian's like, just because you can't see sleight of hand doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but, more importantly, Glacian says, like, forget about, uh, about all that for a minute. Uh, he pulls her in close and says, I gotta tell you something, and you must never tell Yogmoth this. You gotta keep it in your heart, and keep it going forward. The Thran Temple that Rebek has built can be a refuge for Halcyon. Every single power stone in the temple, he claims, holds a universe that people can escape into. And more importantly, uh, Rebek can create, like, a power stone to just literally fly the temple like an airplane. Um, so, if the worst happens to Halcyon, he says, Rebek, you gotta take the people into the temple, and you've gotta fly them away and keep them safe. Don't bring Yogmoth with you. Rebek's still kind of clinging to the hope that Yogmoth will save them, but she does acknowledge Glacian's idea. Glacian kind of knows he's going to be left behind, and he, as Rebek leaves, just begs Rebek, save our people. 
don't don't worry about me. You know, you don't have to believe anything I say about Yogg, but save our people. We cut to Gix. <laughs> our boy. The first Gix POV in like half a book, but he's now Commander Frexian Gix. No. <laughs> Off screen. We don't even get to see what happens to Gix. He our just, boys come by so far. <laughs> he just shows up and he's just Phyrexian horror now. Um, it's mentioned that the Halcyite army is pretty weary fighting him again to file, but the Phyrexians have, like, no problem with stamina. They've got infinite stamina. They're unstoppable warriors. We get a description of Gix's Phyrexian form, and... <sighs> On God, the way he's described looks like the Phyrexian Obliterator card. For anybody who knows what that looks like, um, you know, I can... Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull that up for Sunny real quick, because... He kind of... The way they describe them kind of sounds like the Indiana Jones uh, Crystal Skull. Like the Gray Men? Yeah, no, yeah. The, it kind of looks like a Gray Men, but like a little more fucked up is the description. Yeah, it's a little bit more fucked up. But, um, okay, so I'm, I'm showing them the, the Phyrexian Obliterator card. That's the image I got, like, very explicitly from that description of kind of like the elongated head, no hair, like kind of horror like body maybe maybe like a transitionary stage to that if i yeah i feel like it he's not quite there yet but that seems like the direction he's absolutely so we get some description of that as well as a note of his newfound devotion to yagmoth like the process of becoming a phyrexian like you're just you're gonna worship yagmoth now that's included in the package you don't get a choice um, which is a shame, because Gix hating Yogmoth and working with him is one of the best dynamics of this book, and now it's just- And now it's gone. It's just gone. We like, got to appreciate- we didn't appreciate it while I was here. We should have appreciated it more. I'm sorry, Gix. Uh, we're sorry, Gix, uh, but we will get more of him in Brothers War, don't worry. Yes. Uh, we get some pretty gruesome fighting in Magen Defile. It's essentially, like, the intro chapters, but from the- POV of Gix, so, like, no need to dwell on that, it's just retreading old ground. Um, by the third day of the war, the city of Halcyon is cheering on their Phyrexian champions while Rebek watches on in horror. Uh, she also watches as the Nullsphere rises into the sky, so we're getting the, you know, finally we're caught up with the intro timeline. And she sees the artifact army turn on the Thran Alliance. And then she sees the stone charger drop, and this is explicitly, like I said, what's being uh, portrayed in that Fall of the Thran card. The stone charger drops, and a milky white cloud envelops the defile. It slays the entire Thran army by sucking the life directly out of them to charge a power stone. My guess is that the Phyrexians are unaffected, because Gix is down there, and we know he lives, and on top of that, there's a scene coming up where Phyrexians are pulled out of the defile into, like, ships to prepare for the next onslaught. I don't know why they're not affected. That baffles me immensely. That is, because even the land was affected. Yeah, like, they were even saying the armor off of the Thran army got, like, yeah, melted like, to nothing. The silver, like, that, what, what, where are the Phyrexians? <laughs> just, I really, unironically, I think that was just an oversight. Because it's like, oh, like, the stone charger, it's the ultimate weapon, like, blah, blah, blah. But my army has to survive it, or else there's no point. Yes. Like, like so I guess we just kind of hand wave that unless somebody's got an explanation. Uh, send your, you know what, send me your best explanations for this in the comments and I'll, I'll read funny ones if I find them. But like, yeah, no, the Phyrexian army's fine. Everything else gets nuked. Deus Ex Phyrexia. Deus Ex Phyrexia. So yeah, we, for the final part of the chapter, uh, we cut back to Yogmoth, who's in the Old Sphere still. 
and he orders the artificer who's running the Null Sphere to shut down every artifact creature. The artificer protests at first because, turns out, artifact creatures aren't just used for warfare, they're used for, like, farming equipment, they're used for, like, you know, services in cities, like janitorial stuff, etc., so if they're all infrastructure. they're infrastructure, so it's like oh, if all the artifacts shut down, like what are people going to do? And Yogmoth goes, well, like don't worry, it's temporary until they surrender. Like I'm I'm not intending to completely destroy everything. I just want people to you know bow down and worship me. You know, it's, it's simple. It, it's simple. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. It's I don't know why they're making a whole hoopla about it. You know, they should have just bowed down, but bowing down seems unlikely because. He has a lieutenant come up to him and go, Sir, on the horizon, look, two more Thran fleets apropos of nothing. They're approaching. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's the end of the chapter. Uh-oh, so, sisters. pretty short chapter, and it's really, for the most part, I think just a catch-up with the intro segments of Begin the File. Yeah, it feels like we're just... Like that. Yeah, but I think the two more important things here is, first of all, Glacian talking to Rebek, um, getting the, the prep work for saving some of Halcyon that are not under Yagma's control, and then also the not in their viewpoint of the Stone Charger, uh, seeing exactly what it does, seeing the aftermath of that, and seeing how fucked up it is, because, like, that's... Wait. Wait. I think I remember... So I, I, I may be wrong, but I think Yagmoth was like, get the Phyrexians out of there. Mm. Out of the white killing cloud that mm. they like to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna draw out airtime temporarily while I go to the last prologue, because I do have the book right here. Zawarudo. Alright. Scroll, 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 scroll. Guy pissing himself to death. Well, not, like, there. I meant, like, when the milky cloud was there. Not in this chapter. Yeah, not in this... I'm thinking it's, like, in the ones we read. I am looking as we speak, just making sure. Because that's all from Rebek's point of view. Um, Because when he was talking to the to the guy. He's talking to the guy. That had already happened. Uh, that that had already... Oh. And when he's talking about pulling the troops back... Like, I know, I think that's in chapter 23. It's to get them back to the ships to prepare for the next wave. Right, 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 right. So that's he, probably what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Pearly grouds engulfed the rear guard of the Thran and rolled on towards running Phyrexian troops. It explicitly hits them. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah... I, like, it doesn't say, it just says he's slain the entire Thran army. It makes no mention of the Phyrexians, and then, like, eh, Phyrexians are, are rescued after. <laughs> yeah, like, they're fine. <laughs> so I don't eh. know. Eh. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. I won't. Also, he plans on, um, essentially making a mana rig in Phyrexia that's gonna siphon off those death clouds for energy, which I think is a... Despite how fucked up this all is, that's kind of a neat concept. It kind of is. <laughs> I won't lie. I won't lie. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give him points for style. But um, yeah. No. Um, I think and I have to laugh because looking at like I scroll to chapter twenty three, the first line is "No one survived the Milky Killing Cloud" explicitly. So like, I'm sure they're fine. But they pull Phyrexians out of there. They're fine. They're not Ram. J. Robert King, come find me. 
I have questions. They're they're fine. It's okay. I have so many questions. Alright. Now we're going on to chapter 23. Let's just get into chapter 23 because that's the real whammy. Oh god, I can't wait. We get a brief glimpse of the devastation that the stone charger has wrought. It leaves behind not even the armor that the Thran Alliance wore. Destroys bedrock and you can't even mine that. You can't even mine that in Minecraft. It's insane. Like, not, it's stronger than diamond. It's amazing. Amazing. Phyrexian warriors are taken onto aircraft to prepare for the second wave of combat against the approaching fleet. So there we go. Like I said, just fine, apropos of nothing. We cut to Yawgmoth, um, who's giving a speech. And this is a speech where if you're reading the book, like, you're you're gonna definitely get some some Heil Hitler vibes from this, like explicitly. It's like, hmm, maybe this person is evil. Th- this is actually a really well written, like this is a fascist dictator speech. Um, he essentially urges the remaining Halcyon citizens to descend below and become Phyrexians as well. He's like um, he's talking up how well the Phyrexian army has done. He actually compares them to angels, and then at a later point, gods. And I want to stop here for a minute. Yes. <laughs> I know that angels are creatures and magic, but as a raised Catholic, it's just so fucking funny to me that this fantasy world has the concept of angels. Yeah. Like, what do they do? They just wanted winged people, you know? Like, what? Like, they're they're explicitly, like, it's just angels. I don't know. I just think about it. Look, maybe. Maybe, maybe God, maybe Yahweh is in Dominaria, actually. Maybe. It's, it's entirely possible. Maybe. You don't know. I don't know, but uh, Phyrexians are apparently the, like them. Wizards of the coast. You know when they were like, no. You know when they were like, be not afraid, and it's and you were like, oh, oh, be not afraid of, of what? And it's of Yogmoth making you piss yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want a T-shirt with "Be not afraid," and it's like the fucking Phyrexian urinal. <laughs> Your favorite goddamn post. I love that post so much. Goddamn Phyrexian urinal. I still think about him. What? <laughs> the lonely I sit and think about him is me with that fucking comic. <laughs> anyway, so after this uh, incredibly on the nose speech, a lot of Halcyites do go down to Phyrexia, but many others actually still remain holed up in their homes. Uh, you still get the very distinct sense of division among Halcyon, of there are those who think Yogg is just the shit, and others who are like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that oil. Rebek's in the Thran Temple. She's been watching everything from there, and when uh, Yogmoth approaches her, he's telling her to essentially come down to the caves, what the fuck are you doing up here? Rebek's finally cracked. She's been watching the war, and she knows that she helped lead to all of the suffering and death. And Yogmoth kind of tries to tell her, like, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Rebek's like, no, I enabled you. I helped Glacian with his designs. Like, you know, I stood up for you. Like, all of this is pretty much directly because of me. I'm like, alright, kudos for recognizing where you fucked up. <laughs> but then, Yogmoth gaslights her. Yogmoth super gaslights her. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Girl boss over here. <laughs> like, look at this gatekeeping girl boss, Yogmoth. Holy fuck. And in one of the most girl boss scenes ever, Rebek, like, says, no, I don't want to go down, leave me alone, tries to push Yogmoth away, and Yogmoth just picks her up. Yeah, I thought, I was like, what the and he just cradles her like bridal carries her. Uh huh. Just bridal carries her back down to the caves. Like she just doesn't protest. She just lets it happen. Yeah, she slumps into him, just like you know how when she's you so like, broken. You know how when you pick up like a kitten by the scruff, it just kind of like just mm-hmm. just does the position. Just, like this dangles. is this is what this 
felt like to me. Like, okay, Rebecca, you crazy son of a bitch. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Just picks her up and leaves. She gets dropped off with Glacian, and that's the last we see of her this chapter. And we go back to Yogg POV. Uh, he's lost in the sauce on Phyrexia yet again. Mm, mm, mm. And we get a glimpse of kind of what's going on here in several of the spheres. Uh, on the first sphere, we have Gix, who's overseeing the transformation of all these new volunteers. So he's that's, okay. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Everyone here's fine. You know, they're, they're ascending into angels. <laughs> Beautiful, mechanical, horror angels. Exactly. I mean, that's just what angels look like. On the second sphere, more stone chargers are being developed. I'm going to linger on that one for a minute. <laughs> oh, no. Arms race. Arms race. Let's go. On the fourth sphere, we are shown some fucked up shit. Um, the ambassadors who spoke up against Yogg and essentially started the Fran Alliance have been captured. And uh, Yogg has given them every disease as a torture. Yeah. Uh, essentially, the fourth sphere, like he says at first, is supposed to be studying virulent plagues to use in warfare. But then he goes on to segue into, but yeah, I'm testing them on these uh, ambassadors who I refuse to allow to die, and I'm, I'm letting them suffer through the effects of every single one of these diseases while my vat priests study them. It's incredibly fucked up. It's super fucked up. Sounds like a war crime. It's definitely a war crime. And uh, with that, while he's lost in the sauce, Dyfed arrives. Yeah, that's right. She's been gone for a while. <laughs> But don't, don't you forget about her. She's still here. And she's been gone for three days and comes back to this. Like, what the fuck did you do? I left you alone for five minutes. Like, he's like, now I'm a god. I'm a god. No, you're not. And uh, at this point, she's also cracked. She's finally seen through the facade. And she kind of starts by taunting him a little bit. Like, you know, you're not so hot, Yogg. Like, you think you're all that, but, you know, you're not a planeswalker. And not only that, right. Yeah. Not only that, you know those rebel elders that were speaking up against you? I saved them. I'm not telling you where they are, but they're alive because of me, and you had no clue. And Yogg is kind of, you know, he's, he's being a little pissy baby about it when she just removes him from the inner sanctum. Just like, all right, no, no, time out. Can't be a god anymore. You aren't you. You aren't cool. You're never gonna be a planeswalker. But someone here is gonna be a planeswalker, and he'll take the place on that chair, and he is gonna lead us to a much better society, like he should have the whole time. We're gonna get down all these war crimes and get you up out of here and get you a trial. We're gonna get get Yogmoth taken care of. But Yogmoth, Yogmoth's here to play five D chess, and Dyfed is still on checkers. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> so, Yogg mentions, hey, alright, okay, I'll leave. I'm done. My time's done. But, if you take me out of Phyrexia, the ambassadors are gonna die. And Dyfed's like, what do you mean they're gonna die? And Yogg's like, well, you know, we've got them here, and my my Vat Priests are keeping them alive, but without me to direct them, the ambassadors are just gonna eat shit. And Dyfed's like, I'm a fucking planeswalker. Watch me. I'm just gonna go heal them. And she teleports them both to the fourth sphere. Now, I did just describe the fourth sphere. It's really fucked up. And Dyfid, upon seeing what the fuck's going on there, goes, What the fuck? I can't fix that. And then, Girly. as she's gasping there in fear, it is about as abrupt as I could possibly make it. Yogmoth sticks a knife in her forehead. He straight up lobotomizes her. And not just that. He essentially, like, 
starts moving it around. He starts scrambling her brains because he's like, you can heal yourself. If I just stab you, you're going to come back from that. But if you can't think, you can't heal yourself. So he's literally sitting there just scrambling it while having a Stirring villain. up the scrambled egg. Having a villain monologue so that she can never think again. And then um, as he's like lowering her down, he like kisses her on the mouth. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's like, why did you do that? Why did you do that? But like, okay, after that, he's like, well, my vat priests are going to keep this, this stir pot going. And we're going to find out what organ makes you planeswalk. We're going to study you. Your time here is just going to be nothing but beneficial to me. And that, that's chapter end. That's part three end is on that. Straight up just, God, it's, and it's describes like when it happened, I was caught off guard. Oh yeah. Because I'm listening to it while reading it. Mm-hmm. I had to look away from my screen mm-hmm. while I was reading along with it because I was like, I was about to throw up. Like, it is, you get this long-winded paragraph about Dyfed reacting to it. And it's, and it's like a fucking, like, a, it's, I don't know how else to say it. It's just, it's abrupt. It's like, you get that long paragraph and then it's a sentence. It's like, it's like hit, enter, and then Yawgmoth stabs her in the forehead. Yeah, it literally just a sentence. There's no foreplay. There's no, no it's just. You're caught as off guard as Dyfed is. And, and I love it. Yeah, I think it's that's phen- really good. It's phenomenal writing. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give J. Robert King all the kudos of that scene hits as hard as it's supposed to. Yeah, it it fucked me up. It it's pretty hard hitting, and R.I.P. Dyfed, who's t- not technically dead yet, <laughs> but she's not coming back from that. She's the second. She got she got sloppy seconds on Yogmoth. Oh my god, I can't believe you're so right. Yeah, Rebek did kiss him first. Yeah. I was like, I had this whole commentary about, oh, Yogg's first kiss, it's super not! It is not. Rebecca fucking planted one directly on his kissers. You're so right. It's, God, that's the one thing of, I wish that wasn't in there, of the scene was so hard-hitting, and then there's that weird, like, he kisses her on the mouth, and I'm like, what? It's, what? What's in your heart? Yogg? Yogg. Do we need to talk about this one? We need to talk about this a lot. Please don't kiss your lobotomized planeswalker. That that's not sexy. There's no consent involved. It is to be honest, it is very fascist of him to do so. That's fair. You know what? That's fair. And and like I I hate to say it's in character. It's just one of those where it's like, ah oh god, ah, uh, uh. It's just might as he's evil. He's evil. So might as well just do this too. He's evil. If you had any doubt, he's in the sauce now. He's- I I thought he would, he still had a, a chance for redemption, honestly. <laughs> Your whole no hope. <laughs> I, I still think after part one, part two, you're good. Sonny, you're one of those council members that creamed themselves when Yogmoth <laughs> walked into the room. He's just so hot. <laughs> Problematic fave. <laughs> oh, um, but man, I remember the first time I read this because, like, I knew popular planeswalkers, and I knew that I'd never heard Dyfed's name before. I'm sitting here, like, I'm reading through the whole story. I'm like, why doesn't Dyfed just deal with him? Like, planeswalkers are so strong at this point. And getting to this point and going, oh, yeah, that's a perfect way to deal with a planeswalker, actually. And it's it's just so, like, out of nowhere. Just, like, bam, here it is. It, it still hits like a truck, even on the second read-through. Yeah, it's... I feel that... Yogmoth was 
pretty clever about that. He's like, it was 5D chess. I'll say it. Like, it's it's a joke, but, like, he played her like a fiddle. He played to the, the empathy factor. He was just like, oh, you're, you're just sitting here taunting me about the rebels that you saved. Well, you're going to have to save the ambassadors, too. You're not just going to leave them here, are you? And of course she's not. And just, like, man, if she hadn't taken him with her, which is the funny part. Like, of course she had to, because otherwise he just would have gone right back into the sauce. But, like, man... To, he must have come up with that on the fly. There's no way he planned that in yeah, advance. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Dyfed was like, I just think it and we're there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, the brain. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Yeah. So I need to disable that. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of her prefrontal cortex. It's fine. It's we're just fine. Making you brain can soup. live without it. God, the brain is so squishy. It's not hard to do. But the fact that he's strong enough to fucking stab through the skull, like Jesus. Well, he has. I'm. I think at that point, it's he's enhanced his body. Like, oh yeah. Because everyone else has, and so of course he's gonna do it to himself. So I, I think he is just that strong. But like. It's a smart move. I, I gotta hand it to him. This was really good writing and, like, everything about... It didn't feel like a cheap win. Yeah. It definitely didn't feel like a cheap win. I can... If it not for the brain stirring, I can easily see this being in a movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, the, the kiss, I really see. Because mm-hmm. I feel like in a movie, that makes... That, like, punctuates it just enough. Fair. And there's a lot of this that's very cinematography be like cinematic cinematic that's sort of thank you you're welcome i'm awake um yeah no there's a lot of this that's very cinematic and um yeah it's it's a it's a fucking end of a part like when when uh when you see that part four immediately at the end of that chapter it's just like oh (laughs) where do we where do we go from here if he took out dyfed and i think like finale's coming up I'll be curious what you think. We like, have like 20% more to go. Yeah, we, as I said, we finished chapter 23. There's 30 chapters total. Uh, so we'll have three more episodes before we're at the end. Okay. Um, and how, I mean, obviously, you know, Yawgmoth survives this because he, he's a big bad for a lot of the, the future plot. Right. right. Gix survives this because of course he does. He needs to. Uh, so it's like, all right, we know Yawgmoth's not dying. But we do know the Phyrexians get sealed away because they're clearly not on Dominaria anymore. The how of how it happens is the mystery that uh, Sonny's going to have going forward, and, and we'll see see the live reaction. Think, think, think. <laughs> what can it be? But um, yeah, read along with us, fellow readers. This is uh, we're we're reaching the end of the ride, and it's um, it's been one hell of a ride. It's all downhill from here. Uh oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> remember some of those surprise tools for later that I keep bringing up? <laughs> I don't remember any of them, but I'm sure they're going to slap me in the forehead with a knife. It's... <laughs> Jesus. Uh, mostly remember um, the, the stones that totally aren't in Glacian. Right. Because uh, those are very, very important. Yeah, don't worry. He's, he's just paranoid. He's just paranoid. I think with that... We're going to take a small break and we're going to go to our next, uh, our next discussion. So next week, um, or not next week, in two weeks, we're going to have the intro to part four. And then do we want to do, um, do we want to do two chapters? Do we want to do, um, 
There's seven total, so I was thinking intro plus 24, 25, and then the next one would be 26 through 28, and then the final two. Yeah, that's kind of what we did for this part. Okay, so for anybody who's reading along with us, uh, intro to part four, chapter 24, chapter 25, and that's... The multiverse. The multiverse, that's part four. We're entering the multiverse. (laughs) We're going to see other planes. We're not. We've right. seen three, and that's all we get. We're gonna stay on Dominaria for like the next four books. <laughs> and we're gonna be happy about it. And then according to the timeline that I have, we're gonna jump like to Kamigawa of all places. <laughs> no, yeah, that makes sense, because the original Kamigawa was ancient, right? No, um, Kamigawa's newer than you think, because I thought it was older too, um, but Richard got into it in high school, I think. So there, it, No, I mean like, when it takes place. But yes, when the story takes place, yeah. it's very, very, very ancient. Um, but yeah, now we'll have... God, that's going to be so far off at this point, though, because we got all of Ice Age to get. I'm so excited for Ice Age. I'm, I'm excited. I'm also excited for Brothers War, if only because serendipitous timing. But let's let's take a break and transition, because we, we've got all of the transitions from Dominar United to Brothers War to talk about. So, all right. Dominaria United. We got a lot. Oh boy, oh howdy. We have, alright, this is my, um, I guess, spoiler warning. Uh, if, if you don't want to hear about every single bit of the story, uh, the Amazon spoilers are no longer Amazon spoilers. I think, with the exception of maybe one thing, everything's been talked about in these stories. Um, and uh, I'm still gonna, uh, this, this is the hard cut. If you don't want spoilers, if you haven't read Dominar United... Stop Don't listening. Stop listening. Go to bed. Go to sleep. Have a nice day. I hope you're not listening to this when you're going to bed. That would be weird. I don't know. I sometimes listen to podcasts like as I'm winding down. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh. Okay, you can, but don't be weird about <laughs> don't it. Don't be weird. Don't be weird about it. Um, all right. So, spoiler tag is here. From here on, uh, you are not safe. So, I was going to say, I think the one Amazon spoiler, I think they they hinted at it at the end of the story, is the Realm Breaker, which we talked about a little bit last time that was in the Phyrexian Sphere art spread, where they're like, yeah, and at the, at the Night Sphere is the Realm Breaker, and everyone's like, what's the fuck is what the Realm the Breaker? What the fuck does that mean? And at the end of episode five, uh, Ella Shnorn is, is showing our sad, depressed robot boy, um, this, this he sees this little tree with glistening oil on it. And I think that's explicitly the start of the Realm Breaker. And I think a lot of people on the Vorthos Reddit agreed with me there. So that's the one thing where it's like, well, technically, I guess the concept of Realm Breaker is still a spoiler. But everything else about the Amazon spoilers, Johnny's been completed. Oh, Jaya. Poor Jaya. Jaya's gone. And I cry and I scream and I cry a little more. Um, yeah, but, you are real upset. But, God, we've had... Okay, speaking of completions, uh, the one that uh, Richard was yelling about a little bit and that's just fucking wild to me is the weatherlight <laughs> being completed. Yeah, that one was weird. So the context I know is that the weatherlight was explicitly crafted to, like, take on Phyrexia, right? And we, <laughs> Whoops. Fail one. <laughs> fail step one. And, like, I do agree with a lot of people who are complaining because the whole thing is, like, yeah, we're grafting, like, Phyrexian goop onto the ship so it blends in. When was that ever a good idea? Y'all, the, the goop is what does it. What's going on? So, overall, I did enjoy these stories. And I think there's a lot of valid critique about them that I'm planning on going into. But at the end of the day, um, 
I, I found myself wanting more. And whenever I find myself, I wish there had been more to it. That to me says, I enjoyed that more than I disliked it. Um, I think some of the characterizations were pretty good, though I know one of the main complaints I've seen is that Karn's kind of a dumbass, um, which I feel like he's got some very smart moments and some very I'm overwhelmed with emotion moments. Yeah, you you can't blame him. You can't blame him for that. Like, I think, because episode one was the big kicker for a lot of people, where it's just like, why the fuck is Karn going after Shieldred alone? And it's like, well, to be fair, he was doing pretty good up until yeah. the last moment. But, I mean, he was like, I need to take care of this before I tell anybody, because if he looks away, it is going to just happen. I think my thesis for this whole set is it should have been a book. Uh-huh. And I've I've been yelling and yelling and yelling about that on the subreddit of like, man, I think a lot of people's complaints could have been addressed with just some expansion. Because like, I, I can see the depiction of Karn as he doesn't think people are taking him seriously. He's also dealing like with, he's depressed. He, he doesn't feel like, you know, his, his friends are there for him like they should be, but he also misses his friends. He talks about, um, I'm going to probably butcher her name, Joyra? I think it's Joyra? Um, talks talks a lot about like everyone around him who's just kind of he he's ignoring like but he still clearly misses them because yeah. Jorah's been sending him letters and he's been leaving her on read. I think that's the funniest reveal is that she knows when he opens them <laughs> and knows he hasn't responded. It's like okay, bitch, <laughs> he's literally leaving her on read. Okay, you iron golem bitch. And I think this is a story that would have been better for having more time dedicated to a state of mind especially because like paranoia and not trusting anyone and not being taken seriously is an overarching theme when of this story by a long shot of like like even in the brand like that's an mm-hmm. overarching yeah with the with, the, with Phyrexia, it's Sleeper link. yes sleeper agents not knowing who to trust not knowing who could who could be among us I wish, I wish, I sometimes wish this was a video format. <laughs> so you could see your face as I like look you dead in the eye. Just so much contempt. Look, it's not just me. It's so clear that the that Langley Hyde wanted to make a subtle among us. The fucking Phyrexian in episode three, the Lock Tower vents. It explicitly vents. It's in the vents. Jonah says among us and looks into the camera. <laughs> he does. Langley out here being like, I have creative control over these stories. <laughs> Langley Hyde, you're a legend. And like on top of that, when the sleeper agents like reveal themselves, like it, it actually kind of reminds me of like the little little Among Us people when they've got like the, the weird tentacle like things with the imposters, right? Like the, I I really I don't even play Among Us, and that's what I got out of this. So it's like, wow, you're really, like, dedicated to the joke. <laughs> Probably got a bet, like, that you can't put Among Us references into the magic story. Langley Hyde, please. Langley's like, please, I want to interview you. I got you. And ask you questions about your Among Us pride. I Kudos, 10 out of 10. I think you did a really good job with what you had. But yeah, alright. So, we were talking a little bit about chapter one. That's the reveal. Uh, for a lot of people, I think this was just a reveal that Shieldred is alive at all. Because as far as I understood, her being alive was ambiguous. And people weren't sure. 
She's alive. She's back. Black Praetor on Dominaria. And she's, on top of that, clearly kind of in league with Elish Norn, which a lot of people weren't sure if she was going to be, because I guess the reason why her aliveness was unambiguous is because Elish Norn and children spat a bit. Yeah, and aren't, aren't white and black, like... Enemies? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's explicitly correct. And, like, but... Shieldred does, at the very end of all of this, take Karn and, I think, just the Silex to, uh, um, to Elish Norn. So it's like, well, if they were at odds, they wouldn't be going, they wouldn't be yeah. living together. Um, you know, or, me- meanwhile, like, Urobrask and New Capenna is, like, nowhere near any of them and is explicitly talking about revolution. Man, so. I love Urobrask. He's such a good boy. Not because I have a card of him. <laughs> oh, that's right! I forgot! Yeah, you got the Phyrexian text Urobrask in Yeah, your, uh... and that was pretty exciting. That was pretty exciting. But yeah, Shieldred's back, and uh, Karn tries to take her really out. Say the name Shieldred. Yeah, I think it is because uh, Squee makes fun of it in that kind of way and calls her like Shield Dead or something. Ah. Yeah, I also could just be butchering the shit out of it. It's entirely possible. Um. So yeah, Kar- Karn's about to fucking put a knife in her forehead when Rona shows up, and all I know of Rona is that her card is Disciple of Gix. <laughs> Like, on point. <laughs> on point. And on top of that, on the, the way in, uh, so Karn's in the Caves of Koilos, which is the Caves of the Damned, explicitly. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so, like, you want to talk just direct back to Thran. Um, that's where the Phyrexians have traditionally come into the world. So it's kind of a neat little callback that that's where Shieldred is at the moment. Um, he's looking for a way to activate the Silex, which you will learn all about in Brothers War. That is explicitly the end of the Brothers War, what, what just ended it. Just completely ended everything of the plot and sent Dominaria into the Ice Age. Good job. So that's what that is, and that's why him trying to find a way to activate it's kind of like, oh, oh, he's oh, he's using that. That's kind of a, I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, it's definitely going to take care of the Phyrexians. It's also going to take care of everything else. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but to be fair, I guess if he took it to New Phyrexia, it, it's just kind of a nuke. Like, I don't know, maybe that would... Just, a world ender. World just, breaker. Like... It's not really a world ender because Dominaria survived the Silex, but it did take out like the invading Phyrexians of the time. Like it ended the wars, it, but like it but did it, it did fuck up the plane explicitly. It did launch it into a <laughs> nuclear winter. Pretty much, pretty much. So yeah, he's looking for a way to activate it when he comes across Shieldred, who's who's being healed, like, she's currently fucked up and is being grafted onto, I think it's called, like, a dreadnought, uh, or something like yeah. that. And Rona's helping her. And on the way in, he sees murals to Gix, and I think that's what the, the new saga is referencing, that kind of, like, stained glass depiction of Gix just yeeting a woman into the air. God bless him. I love that card. It's really good. Um, so yeah, we're getting some hints to Gix, uh, and as we'll talk about as we get more to the end of this, like, we're, we're gonna see Gix getting i if we don't get a gix card i riot <laughs> i'll riot <laughs> i'll definitely riot um but karn gets frozen in place by rona uh rona explicitly gets the better of him despite like getting her shit pushed in for the first part of that fight and uh they're all like well we're gonna start putting our sleeper agents everywhere they're kind of already everywhere by the time you get out of this cave you don't know like you're not gonna know who's safe you're not gonna know who to trust we <laughs> will take over dominaria from the inside so Karn's in there for several months, I think. Yeah, like, he, he's not in there for a short amount of time uh, when Ajani comes and rescues him. Now, there were, I think, 
and, and there may even still be some ongoing debate about when a Johnny got completed. I think he gets completed in the course of the story. I don't think he was already completed. Mostly because of how he acts prior to a point where he like leaves the party and then comes back. And he starts acting just a little bit, I think, differently after he comes back. So I, I think that's that explicitly the moment. So I think right here... He's okay, either that or it's just really un- ambiguous writing. Who knows? Uh, but Karn goes with a Johnny. Uh, he's like, oh my god, we gotta warn Dominaria. Shieldred's out here. And uh, so he goes and he finds Joda and Jaya and some of the, like, Dominaria's always in a fucking civil war. Like, that's just every plot. <laughs> like, good job, everybody. Brothers war, ice age. Oh, no, no, fuck you. There's always gonna be warring parties. Um, and once again, Jaya and Jonah are there to try and tell people to shut the fuck up. So, you know, good for them. Um, and- At least somebody's doing their job. Somebody's trying. And Karn shows up and is like, guys, Phyrexians are here. And nobody believes them. They're just like, don't you think we'd know about it if Phyrexians are here? And Karn's like, y'all, I don't fuck around. I'm a robot. Like, I don't know what sarcasm is. <laughs> I am not joking. And then Teferi shows up. And Teferi is like, hey, there's Phyrexians here. And everyone believes him instantly. And Karn's a little, like, fucking peeved about that. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> Rightfully so. And, like, especially because the, the thing, I think, too, like, Jonah and Jaya have lived through Phyrexian invasions, like, explicitly. I think the fact that they don't believe Karn is one of those, hmm, I'd like more expansion as to why. It seems a little out of character for them. Yeah. But I digress. At that point, um, they're kind of, you know, like at this point, because it's been several months, Karn is wondering, like, oh my god, like, who the fuck's been completed? Like, there's there's sleeper agents here, there's gotta be, I don't know who to trust. Like, he's looking, and especially because um, Teferi brings, I think it's Teferi who brings the news that Tamiyo's been completed, too. Yeah. And so Karn's like, oh my god, I can't trust anyone. Like, I thought the Planeswalkers were safe, but, like, now I know that they're not safe. So we get a bit of buildup of Karn's paranoia, and we return to a sort of diplomatic summit where everyone's going to try and convince them, hey, put your put your grievances aside. We've got Phyrexians. Like, we need to fucking shut up and figure it out. And it's revealed, uh, well, there's sleeper agents there. Right! <laughs> and uh, they attack the summit uh, upon being figured out. Um, we get, I think, because the buildup to that is there's a bird <laughs> that's been... Um, following Karn the whole time, and, and that's a completed bird, and Karn, Karn brings it to the diplomatic summit. It's like, there's a fucking, there's a fucking bird here, guys! Have Look at this bird! Neck, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Wiggles <laughs> it around like a fucking rubber chicken. Check this shit out! It's, this is a Phyrexian bird! I want it to be a card that's just not suspicious bird as the title. <laughs> <laughs> completely normal bird. Com- completely normal bird, but spelled, like, completed. Yeah, and there's just the fucking symbol, and it's text box mm-hmm. but don't yeah, worry about it don't worry about it and the diplomatic summit goes to shit um and there's a, a bit of a battle and joda transports um jaya teferi karn and then sten <laughs> the newbie dominaria oc who's totally not a sleeper agent oh yeah no he's he's cool he's, he's cool. cool i totally you totally don't look at his art and see the machine parts in his glowing hand like yeah no you're cool i'm sure i'm sure you're not evil and so they're in a locked tower and a phyrexian goop squid came in after them and so they're like well we have to find this phyrexian goop otherwise he might take us out while we're sitting here discussing what to do 
But on top of that, Karn is sitting here going, God, any one of these fuckers could be an agent. Like, uh, at this point, he hid the Silex and... Told a different location to everybody. Yeah, and so eventually what he ends up doing, he's like, well, if something happens to me, like, you know, I want the Silex to be well taken care of, but that's why he left it, I think, with Joyra. And instead, what he does with the people who are locked in with him, he's like, all right, I'm going to root the sleeper agent out. I'm going to tell... each and every one of them a different story about where the Silex is, because clearly the Phyrexians want the Silex. They don't want me to use it. So he tells them all a different story, um, and we get, like, some really kind of poignant scenes where as Karn is going along and investigating, like, he talks with um, each of the characters and also overhears conversations. Like, you hear both Jaya and Joda are, like, trying to get the information from Karn because they don't want him to be the only one who knows about the Silex, but then, like, there's a scene where Karn overhears Joda and Jaya talking, and Joda's like, this motherfucker, why doesn't he trust us? What's the deal with this guy? And then Jaya's like, well, you're kind of being a dick right now, dude. Let let him him lie. And then later she comes and is like, yeah, but no, you should tell me where it is. (laughs) Like, it's so, it's kind of funny, like, how suspicious they're made to look, but also I love the the banter. Jaya and Joda banter is my life. Anyway, the minute Karn tells Sten where the Silex isn't, uh, Sten pops. He was imposter the whole time. Oh no! Oh no! This character we didn't know. <laughs> this came out of left field. What happened? If y'all want a absolutely hysterical read, um, on the MTG Forthos subreddit, uh, Mod LRD made a whole post about who is the sleeper agent. <laughs> And methodically wrote paragraphs for, like, Teferi, Jaya, Joda, Karn, and then ended with Sten. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, it's totally Sten. And it's, it's, it's this guy, y'all. It's this, I, and it's a brilliant read. Please, please go give upvotes to it. It definitely made my day at work when I was reading it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, they... They figure out the agent, and they, after that, teleport to safety. Um, they meet up with, uh, they meet up, I think, with Jorah at that point, and they make a plan that they gotta go unite Dominaria. This is Dominaria United. Everybody's gonna go off to various corners of the plane and start recruiting people. So Joda journeys to the jungles of Yabimaya to recruit the elves that are there. Uh, Jaya and Ajani, uh, Ajani finally comes back. Uh, he wasn't in the tower. Uh, he's at this point definitely, Not he's definitely completed. Uh, they go to join Danitha Kapashin as she hunts for her father's kidnappers. And this is when we discover um, not only that her poor father's been completed, that's a sad arc, but also, okay, I need I need to, because unfortunately, I, I'm going to fuck up his name. Is it Urtai? Is that who it is? Because Richard said it wrong. I'm calling you out. And now my brain can't get it right. So it's Urtai is also revealed to be like a Phyrexian agent. And now I didn't know the context for this until people started yelling. So Urtai was in the Weatherlight saga, I guess, and Squee blew him up explicitly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> like, to the point where there were ashes left. And so everyone's like, how are you a body? <laughs> like, you, yeah, sure, you can complete a corpse, but how are you a body? How? How did we make this? <laughs> I think, I, I'm, I'm all for, my current fan theory is the Phyrexian slime theory, where the, the ash got... Put, mixed with oil, just, just rummaged in there, you know, pulled the soul from the afterlife, and the goop just forms the body. So, so it just remembers. It just remembers. It's muscle memory. So yeah, we get we get that fucking reveal. Um, episode five is a 
kind of tumultuous climax. Um, Shieldred starts bringing her her full armies against Karn and and the Coalition Dominaria. We get a lot of pretty epic fights. Um, this is where. We'll get into side stories in a minute, but like we see the completed weather light being turned on them, but we also see fucking dragons going after that. And that's yeah. a wild image. I love it. Um, but this is also where, uh, in the moment where Karn essentially is like, hey, Jaya, go get the Silex. We need to teleport it to safety. Ajani reveals himself as a sleeper agent, uh, stabs Jaya essentially in the back to uh, grab the Silex and then kicks her off, uh, kicks her off the manor rig. And what's kind of interesting about that completion reveal is I don't think Ajani, like, was allowed to know until that moment. Because they kind of describe him as being, like, almost kind of resisting it for a minute. And, like, looking on in horror with his good eye. And then, like, you know, eventually it just kind of takes over. Which was a really... sad. It was a really sad, definitely horrific scene. I was too distracted by Jaya getting stabbed. Yeah, you're (laughs) She's my girl! She's my girl! Um, so yeah, uh, Amazon spoilers have come to fruition there. Um, Karn gets overtaken by Ajani. Um, the Silex gets stolen and Shieldred, Ajani, take Karn back to, uh, back to New Phyrexia. But, um, Teferi's still there and someone shows up who I'm not super familiar with. I'm sure people are gonna, people are gonna know me. Sahili just duplicates the Silex. <laughs> You know, as you do. It's fine. But they don't know how it works. Um, but she had been able to be... She'd been able to determine when the Silex had been fired. And it was now Teferi's mission to go figure out how it was activated. So, people who called it, I didn't believe you. I would thought Brothers War was going to be, like, just a look back to give people the history. But no, Teferi's literally gonna go back in time to Brothers War to figure out how the Silex works. Thanks, Teferi, for the SEO. I hope to God that he's just an observer. I don't want... He better not. I don't want Endgame. I don't want the Marvel plot. I, I, I'm one of those people that, like, actually didn't like Endgame, and I know that so many people are going to be throwing shit at me, but, like, Brothers War was fine. I don't want Teferi making it so that I have to think about it too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like, no, just, just be a passive observer. And to be fair, I think that's what they're implying is going to happen. So he's uh, just there as our POV. He's there as a POV because it is Urza who activated the Silex and if you have like a Teferi watching you know from the background seeing how this happened I think that's fine I'll accept that. But the question here is like are they just gonna let that lie? Is it just gonna be an overview of Brothers War or are we about to get like a timeline split? (laughs) I genuinely don't know. I hope not because then I'd have to think about it too. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing, too, that I kind of had to laugh about, um, at the very end of Teferi's bit here, a small brown songbird perches at his window and drops to the floor to bathe in the dust. He mentioned Karn would have known its species and its habits. I'm saying, like, it's it's the completely normal bird! Oh, it's fine! <laughs> there it is! He's still here! He's still here! Um, and yeah, we get the cutback to New Phyrexia, Karn's point of view... Uh, this poor fucking depressed robot is being shown the ropes by Elish Norn, who sh- shows him essentially a small stunted sapling growing from porcelain slant, slant, sand. Uh, it's glistening. It's got oil. It's probably Realmbreaker. Uh, but Norn just calls it the beginning of everything. That's our stinger. That's our five stories. It's, it was a hell of a ride at the time. 
Um, especially because that was over the course of like a week and a half. With yeah, the side it, wasn't, stories. it wasn't a long time that it was released. But like, yeah, like I said, um, overall, despite the complaints I'm about to go into, I enjoyed it. I had a good time uh, getting to experience story live and actually have some context for things like the Thran callbacks and yeah. the Brothers were callbacks and the Ice Age callbacks were just fucking amazing. The scene where Joda's mourning Jaya had me, like, crying actual tears at work. So kudos, Langley Hyde, for making my boss ask me what's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> what isn't wrong with you? A lot there, of things right? wrong with me. So let's, uh, let's talk about some of the, um... Let's talk about some of the people complaints, because I think they're worth discussing and interesting. Because the main big one, I think it's about a 50-50 split on comments, and it got to the point where they literally made a thread to discuss it on Vorthos, because it just kept coming up with every chapter, is have the Planeswalkers been nerfed? So, for one thing, yes, they have. Uh, we've seen Dyfed in the time, and and she was like supposed to be. She was a god. like a god. She was like a god, and and until a certain point in the story, Planeswalkers are just kind of like gods. So it's like, yeah, well, okay, canonically they have been nerfed, but that's not what people are talking about. Uh, people are talking about inconsistent writing. We're talking about earlier plot lines where Planeswalkers were able to deal with far bigger threats. And meanwhile, in Dominaria United, like, Karn, for example, was built to fight Phyrexia, and is very, very tuned to doing so. And so his actions in this, like, underestimating Shieldred, and having trouble taking down, like, some of the sleeper agents, a lot of people are like, that seems a little underpowered for him. You know, um, they're that like, Teferi, like, should be able to cast more spells without getting exhausted, like, things like that. And I, like... Here's the thing. I understand. And I think for me, my takeaway from that is, well, this is what happens when you have a long-running franchise with multiple authors and not mm -hmm. necessarily consistent direction or knowing where a story is going to go. Coupled with, you can't get rid of these characters. Uh, a lot of these characters are beloved. A lot of people are coming here for these characters, which means they gotta stick around, stick around, stick around, stick around. And we get what I call shonen syndrome. Think of Dragon Ball Z. Um, in my honest-to-god opinion, and this will definitely cause knives pointed at my direction, Goku shouldn't be a protagonist anymore. Goku's just not interesting to me, and quite frankly was never, like, Gohan supremacy. But, like, when it transitioned to Gohan's story, I, Gohan, I think, was explicitly supposed to become the new protagonist, but people loved Goku so much that, like, they're like, oh, we, got, we gotta keep Goku around, but what is he gonna do? Each threat has to be, like statistically worse than the last one otherwise it's not going to be a problem because Goku threat. Goku could just nerf it otherwise and so you get this like power scale that just keeps going and going and going and going until the point where power scales just don't matter anymore and I think ultimately like if you're a Dragon Ball fan you hand wave that right like you don't think about it too much because you're just kind of there to see the fight scenes you're just kind of there to see the conflicts and I think that's what they're intending to do with these stories, whether or not you agree with how well it was done, is it's like, well, if we let the power scale keep going and going and going, like, none of these threats would mean anything to the Planeswalkers. They'd just be gods again. Yeah. So it's like, well, we have to have there be conflict, but then that does end with them, like, specifically stepping back how well some Planeswalkers are able to deal with things, yeah. because you're not going to have compelling conflict otherwise. And so you get people like me, who I've you know, watched so much fucking anime that I, I literally just hand waved that, like, as a principle. I'm like, ah, I could bitch about it all day, but, you know, whatever. I'm here for the story. And then you get people who I think, like, 
people were a little salty about that, but I do think it's also justified, and because these are people who care about these characters and, right. and want to see the characters be consistent. And so, ultimately, at the end of the day, my advice to people who, who feel this way is, alright, so you think your planeswalkers have been nerfed and you don't like it. Um, rather than side comments in the story threads, um, make, make, make bigger tracks about it. Uh, this is the, the point where I would normally tell you, if you don't like how a franchise is handling something, stop sending the money. Stop reading it. Stop buying product. Uh, I know it's kind of odd because the stories are free, but right. like they're made, they're made to sell cards. So it's like, okay, if you don't like how a story is going, really the only way you can have a major voice about it uh, is with what you're giving them. It's like if you give them attention, if you give them your money, if you give them all that, they're not going to be encouraged to change or do things differently because as far as they're concerned, you bought the cards anyway. They're just going to keep doing it. And I get that's also quite difficult for people right. because people want to enjoy their favorite it, franchises. It's like, and it's also a social thing too. Like it's mm -hmm. that I don't think people would be so willing to give up their social outlet. Absolutely. I mean, like in the Vorthos community, there were comments every day as chapters came out. It was really fun to interact with the community. And it's something where it's like, yeah, no, giving that up would suck. But like, that's kind of the thing about it. And I, I'll branch out to say this is just a problem with a lot of media and product in general nowadays, is I see people complain about certain mega franchises, but it's like, so, so stop buying it. Like, that's the problem, is that, like, you can complain all you want, but they're shit money, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you don't like the newest Pokemon games? Stop buying them. Buy them secondhand so that you're not sending money to Game Freak, because if money drops, they'll change things. They want to continue to make money. It's like, oh, you... You know, I just sat here talking about how I, I wasn't really fond of the, you know, the last Avengers movie, and I haven't really been fond of stuff that's come out since. Do you know what I do? I've stopped going to movies. Like, I'm, I'm not giving them my time of day anymore because I want them to improve. Yeah. So that's my, I guess, like, my preachy advice, um, whether or not you ever follow it. It's just the, yeah, I don't think your complaints are illegitimate. Like, I think you should critique media. I think you should voice, like, hey... I would like, I'd like them to write novels again. Yeah. Ma maybe if they wrote novels, some of these pro projects, problems would fix themselves. Or, you know, hey, I, I would love them to, to even just in the short stories, like, g give them a little more space so that they can write about these characters that we like and give better buildup to these scenes. I think those are completely valid complaints. Like, the problem is, when you go into the salt mine of comments, like, that's not gonna let change happen. Yeah, that's just... At that point, you're in your own kind of echo chamber, to, mm -hmm. to say the least, and everybody else is going to say it too, but nothing's going to get out because you're all in your own private little community mm -hmm. and not bringing it to like, I mean, you could probably do it on Twitter and be like, at Wizards of the Coast being like... At Wizards of the Coast, hey, anybody who agrees with me, chime in, but like, I'd love to see novels again, or hey, I feel like the Planeswalkers like, are really, really inconsistent. Maybe you should talk with some of your authors in the future about, like, you know, setting some, some standards for what they're capable of doing so that we don't have this, like, inconsistency. Yeah. And I mean, hell, part of the reason we have a podcast at all over here is to be able to talk about these things and have an audience and kind of spread that sort of word. Mm -hmm. And so it's the kind of thing, too, where it's like, hey, 
not everybody can make a podcast, but like, you know. Everybody can make a podcast. Uh, anybody can make a podcast. Not that many people can consistently keep up with a podcast, but like use media a little more smartly. Like I said, instead of going into the, the comments threads of story discussions like this, where it's so easy to get that, that gets lost in the sauce. You're never going to reach Wizards of the Coast by just salting. Like, there are ways, I think, to make a statement in a way that is meaningful, and that's something that I think a lot of fans could stand to think about more, especially, like, with how, I mean, God, look at any... There's so many franchises that people are like, God, like, capitalism's just running it into the ground. Don't even talk to me about Star Wars. <laughs> like, wah, things, wah. things like that where it's just like, well, yeah, no, you have super valid complaints about that, so... There are ways to make a statement, and here I am on Flavor Text Podcast telling you that you can actually make a difference. Your comments can find traction, and here are some ways to do it. Um, I know I'm I used to say big hypocrite here because I'm reading the side stories and probably buying cards about to go into this, uh, but you know you don't you don't have to you you can spare your money until it becomes a product that you enjoy again and. Interact on a surface level with the stories that are free. Yeah, you get to choose. You choose where to spend your money. And you should absolutely buy the Secret Lair Drop Jaya cards. Because they're For cool. Marina. <laughs> Specifically, For send me. your Jaya cards send to Marina. Send them to me. I want all of them. We'll get a P.O. box. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> and that that rant notwithstanding, um, we've, got, we've got a bit of time left. So do we want to talk about some side stories? Did you read any of the side stories? No? No. Well, I'll chat about them a little bit then, just, just to just to peek. Because there's some interesting things that happen there. First of all, so there's a Liliana Vest side story. Uh, Liliana is everybody's yeah, that... uh, black meta waifu. Yeah. With the reveal she got that the raven man who's been stalking her for a while is Limduel, who's an Ice Age antagonist. And when we get to Ice Age... I cannot wait f- to, to for you to see what Limduel's like and then realize that he sticks around. Oh, God. <laughs> he's such a jobber. He's such a nothing. He's just a necromancer who's like the pawn of a planeswalker. Explicitly. And like... Make, he's out here making the big name for himself. <laughs> he's made such a big name. Like, I'm almost weirdly proud of him. Like, how you go, girlfriend. Let's you climbed that corporate ladder. <laughs> like, holy Girl shit. Boss. Like, holy shit, did he? So that's a really fun reveal. And, like, I think, um, so a lot of people linked me. There was an article that someone wrote, and I forget the name of the guy, who theorized that the Raven Man was Linduel, and then went to become an author for Magic the Gathering. So I think explicitly he made his canon real. Holy shit. So what a legend. Kudos. You're everything to me. <laughs> just let, just letting you know, like, any... Because I feel like they're always looking at fan stuff. I'm sure mm-hmm. some artists have been fans. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know how you could come in not at least knowing a little bit about, yeah. you know, the franchise and wanting to be a part of that. Yeah. But God, the other thing about this particular short story that... I, I sat here, like, I read through it, and I'm like, huh, this this writing feels a little familiar to me. And then I finally looked at the author, and it's Shannon McGuire, who's one of my favorite authors. She wrote um, one of my favorite books, Every Heart a Doorway, which is a phenomenal take on, um, it's, the concept is, hey, you know how little kids stumble into fantasy worlds, and, they, and then they come back home? It's what happens after that. Ooh. It happens to those kids, and kind of, they want to go back, and a lot of them are just like, 
kind of almost a little crazy because like the real world's just not like the fantasy world and um it's about like a home that takes those kids in and tries to give them a sense of purpose and there's oh that's fun there's a whole story about it's it's a little dark i will say that um i mean think grim tales in terms of fantasy worlds that some of these people go to um first book i ever read with an an actual stated out loud asexual character uh, as the protagonist no less so um uh if you if you like representation, Shannon McGuire is phenomenal about that. But like, unironically, her books are just good. So this is my this is my uh, advertisement. Um, so yeah, I saw she wrote the Liliana Vest story, and I was like, holy fucking shit! Kudos! I I recognize the author. It was fun. Fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Um, other side stories. So some of these stories, I think the um the weight of them is a little lost on me. So there's the education of Ulf. Which is, at the end of the day, it's it's just an Among Us chapter. Uh, it's about a student at the Talarian Academy who realizes that there are sleeper agents around. And also um, found some old information, I think, explicitly maybe on the Silex and what happened there. That he's trying to get to the right people, but then he realizes like there's tons of sleeper agents at the Academy who want that info. He's rescued by... Uh, Jared Parthelian. Oh, maybe, no, maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it was uh, the information about uh, Jared, like, maybe even just being alive. I I forget. No, he is researching the Silex Blast. It's been a while since I've read this. I'm sorry. But anyway, uh, we get Jared Parthelian, who's the five-color commander for one of the two commander decks, uh, who rescues him, and then we also get a reveal that this other character is alive, and I'm not gonna remember her name off the top of my head, but she's the other commander Nissa? Is it Nissa, her name? You see, this is, like I said, a lot of this is just so being lost on me. I think we should come back to these once we're here in the timeline, because I'm so curious with context, like, how much harder these reveals slap. I'm just ranting. Anyway. It's okay. So that's a short story. Uh, The one that came after that is my favorite short story of the bunch. Uh, Death and Salvation, which is about Squee. Squee, the immortal goblin who gets completed, strips naked, and then blows himself up. Look. And then lives. King shit. He comes back uncompleted. King shit. He comes back. He's just such a... He's literally a king, and this is king shit. Uh, But I guess there's a reveal that his toy has an essence of salvation. I'm not sure if that's like some sort of Dominarian god or what. There's context here I'm clearly missing. But more importantly, this short story was hysterical. Kudos to the author Dan Sheehan. I enjoyed every minute of Squee's existence. Goblin supremacy now. <laughs> Goblin supremacy Amen. now. Amen. I um, loved his character. I love how he interacted with Urtai. The whole sequence of him being completed and, you know, the, he didn't blow himself up on purpose. It was completely an accident. But the build up to that accident was just so perfect because he spends like the first half of the short story talking about how goblins just do that. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what a legend. Um, but yeah, if if you're if you could only read one of these short stories, that's actually the one I'd recommend you read because it's just a riot and I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, next short story, Shards of Nightmares, is about how the weatherlight gets completed. Um, like I said, there's a lot there that I'm sure flew right over my head in terms of references to the Weatherlight Saga, in terms of characters that matter in that regard. Um, I don't have much to say on that one, but one day we will come back to it. And the final side story, Faith in Birds. I mean, I always have Faith in Birds. 
uh, is about Niambi, who I think is either the, I think she's the daughter of Teferi, I want to say. Like, I think that's what they said she was. And she, it's a more wholesome story where she's trying to help unite two nations of Dominaria against the Phyrexian threat. Um, explicitly, the Efravans, um, who are like lion people like a Johnny. Um, the, I guess, quote, more civilized human nation is suspicious of these traveling lion people. They're all Phyrexian sleeper agents. They allied with Phyrexia in the past. Let me say how hard I'm rolling my eyes. Rolling very hard. Uh, but it, it ends a little more positively with them um, coming together a bit more. Uh, so it's it's a very sweet story. So that one's compared compared to fucking Shards of Nightmares, which released I think on the same day. It's just like oh we've got we've got uh, we got high and low here. Um, but they're the short stories are always fun, and it's the kind of thing where I talk about I want novels again, but the sh- I also want short stories to continue. And I would justify that by saying let the side stories be the free little stingers on the magic website that gets people to buy the novels yeah we can have the best of both worlds that's a lot we have seen a lot we haven't even talked about the cards yet no they haven't released a joda card at this point in time today is the 22nd of august it is a monday and uh i still don't have a joda card keep faith there's the Jaya card that was released, I think, even before the story came out. Um, but uh, Joda card, please, please, please. I want to make a deck with the two of them. I mean, hopefully. There's been some really cool cards, though, um, that have been released so far. I'm also still waiting for... Mark Rosewater said there would be a Phyrexian horse. I just want to know what that's about. <laughs> I just want to see it. <laughs> I just want to see it. Uh, yeah. So... Lots, lots of cool cards, lots of cool art. Um, still releasing at this point in time, so you know maybe I'll gush about the Joda card later. But this has already been a pretty long episode, and I have been ranting for most of it. That's okay. So, in two weeks' time, I think the Dominaria cards will actually just be out. So you know maybe we can talk about our, our drafting, our drafting oh, yeah. tales. Uh, we'll Which definitely. I'm so good at. You know I'm horrible at it. I'll admit it. I suck at drafting. So bad. Our, bu- our buddy is like, oh, you should do this, this, these drops are good. And I just am like, oh, this looks fun. <laughs> right? It's like, I have no context for any of this. I'm just like, okay. Okay, here we go. This one looks pretty. I'm going to go for this one. Right? I see the cards and I'm like, ooh. I'm also so curious because there's so much, like, five color motivation, which I, I'm under the impression that's horrible to draft for. Fucking three colors is horrible to draft. Yeah, can you imagine five? But like, what is it? Domain and in no enlist. I don't think has to do with colors. It's all based on like how many different types of lands do you have on your board? And like, there's so many things where it's like, oh, it's it's monocolor, but the kicker is like two different colors, and it's just like, yeah, no, that's gonna be a weird, weird format. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I. Drafting. Yeah, drafting. Uh, but mostly I just want my Joda card. <laughs> One day. <laughs> We're hoping. One day hoping. If not, I riot. Well, with that, shall we call it an end of an episode? I think so. Next time will be our 10th. We're going to be double digits. We're going to be 10 years old. We're going to have to celebrate with something stupid. We'll, we'll figure out when the time comes. I'll figure something out. Yeah. Maybe a new picture. 
Ooh, thumbnail. We need a new picture for the thumbnail. And look forward to our side episode about the Netrunner series. Uh, that'll come out at some point. Uh, I can't say when because I'm, I'm still doing research. I'm sorry. There's so much. I'm sorry. Uh, but it'll come out. We, yes. We're going to make that a whole thing. So... Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Send us flavor text requests if you got them. Uh, Comment, subscribe, and... uh, I want to talk to people, but I'm bad at reading, so I'll try to be more on the Morthos Reddit. I will be, like, religiously on there, so you can yell at me, and I'll I'll yell it at Sunny if it's fun. Okay. That's a plan. Good night, everybody. Take it easy, and uh, remember, Phyrexians are among us. Bye. I'm not acknowledging that. Bye.